Welcome to a very special Halloween edition of A Conversation for One. Uh, This is the second episode of the podcast, and uh, yeah, I've actually got uh, a little bit of planning done, so this is going to be an extra spooky and basically a pretty informative Halloween episode, as I've said. So, yeah, I'm sorry it's kind of late in the month. Uh, I've already missed, like, the first half. Uh, But on the plus side, episodes don't go bad, and uh, you'll always be able to check out whatever I'm talking about uh, because it's not going to go anywhere. And uh, if you're like me, you're just going to want to watch this stuff anyways, whether it's October or Halloween or anything like that. Um, So just to give a little mild breakdown of what I'm going to be talking about, um, I've got, uh, I'm going to talk, a, well, just, just to, just to start off the podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I love about Halloween, uh, in this time of year, which, you know, is a lot, but I won't bore you to death. I probably want to talk about it for a little bit. Um, so what I was planning to do for this episode was to have two or three episodes that were a little bit longer. Cause like it's Halloween, you know, I'd probably do the same for Christmas just cause like there's so much to talk about, but Unfortunately, because it is so late in the year, uh, in the year, my gosh, in the month, um, I think I, what I'm going to do is just have like a super long episode, but I know sometimes long episodes can be hard to listen to. So maybe what I'll do is, is a long episode, not as long as I was thinking about. And then maybe I'll do, um, like a small, shorter episode, but, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously if you're listening to this, and this episode's like clocking in at two hours, then uh, it's safe to say that I went with the choice of just one long episode. But moving forward, like let's say next year, and well, even uh, Christmas, I'm planning on doing maybe two or three episodes, smaller pieces, so that you just get like a nice treat like for each week, week and a half of the month. Um, But yeah, so getting on to what I love about Halloween is what's not to love about Halloween, you know? Basically, Halloween to me is like the last week or two of September into the first week or two of November. Uh, And like everything's getting a little bit colder. You don't got to worry about bugs. Uh, The leaves are all changing beautiful colors. It's it's crisp and cool outside. Perfect for walks. And when it's nighttime, it is scary as hell. Especially I remember like when I was in university, there was a couple streets where when you're walking home back at night, you could you could definitely like spook whoever you're walking with, which was a fun time, and then not so fun. You'd scare the shit out of yourself when you're walking because your brain's playing tricks on you. That was definitely always my favorite. Um, plus, like Halloween is perfect, perfect excuse for watching um, 
Halloween movies. I love, well, I used to anyways. I haven't really in a, in a year or two, but getting like dressed up for Halloween is always super fun. I plan it way ahead. I've, I've done everything from like Frankenstein to Marty McFly to even like a ping pong player one year, which was pretty cool. Um, this year, I, I really cheaped out, but it, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Just cat ears, sunglasses, and a jacket. And I think that could be probably the last costume I ever buy. And you, you're a cool cat. Yeah. So that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember also too, like moving aside from costumes, I never actually used to be really big into horror movies. I remember like my first few that I watched is when I was like really young was like, um, Frankenstein, uh, King Kong. And then like to get into like a little bit newer stuff was like an American werewolf in London Creature from the Black Lagoon. I guess that's not really newer. That's 50s. Um, the Return of the Living Dead. Um, what else? There was, like, a couple that were, like, crucial when I watched them. And they, like, they scared the ever-living shit out of me. But also, like, they were, like, super good. And, like, they played a lot. In Canada, we used to have um, Scream. It was, like, a TV um, station. And, like, they played, like, late at night, like, when you couldn't sleep they played like movies so when your choices are like infomercials and movies even if you're like a scaredy cat like i was you're watching the movie and um yeah it's it's one of those things where it's like it petrifies you so it stays with you but also the story is unreal so it stays with you and i think that's like i don't know i watching a movie now like in in my 20s like there's there's certainly movies that like stay with you but nothing is like vividly as like when you're a child watching a horror movie like just traumatized but then as you get a little bit older you grow like an appreciation for that and now that's something like when I, I start watching horror movies like again probably like seven or eight years ago like faithfully and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made but uh yeah, speaking about uh, horror movies, I thought I would start off this podcast, um, now that that uh, painfully dry story about my love for Halloween is over, with essential viewing. I think that would be a pretty good space, space, place, place, we'll go with place, place to start. Um, so I'm assuming that uh, there might be people one day who listen to this who have children, and in that case, I thought uh, it's probably safe um, to start off this podcast, um, the the essentials, uh, with something that's, um, I guess, more family friendly, um, something that's like good for all ages. That way, if uh, somebody who's listening to this isn't uh, of age to watch gore and scares that will keep them up for nights on end, they can just watch this and uh, call it a day. Fast, fast forward through the... Uh, the podcast a bit and then we'll get to uh some spooky stories if they're up for it so what i usually watch um when it comes to family friendly uh there's a couple disney films um definitely one i watch every single year is uh the 40s flick legend of sleepy hollow now if you don't know what the legend of sleepy hollow is stop this podcast right now and go watch it it is uh ichabod crane uh yeah, I'm almost positive. It, it's got to be at least three characters. Bing Crosby, you know, the great Bing Crosby, who Christmas songs that most people will think of, you know, White Christmas, 
you know who Bing Crosby is. If you don't, stop watching Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Quick look up Bing Crosby. Then get back to Sleepy Hollow. Then when you're done that, get back to this. It's a long list. It's worth your time. I watched The Legend of Sleepy Hollow like all the time as a kid, even when it wasn't Halloween. That it didn't scare the shit out of me per se, but it's it uh it spooked me real good. Yeah, it spooked me to my core for a while until like you just are so enamored by it that you can't stop watching it. Like Ichabod Crane is still like one of my favorite Disney characters, but I I I, I admittedly I like some really obscure ones. Um but uh yeah. It's short. It's um, well-paced. The songs are so catchy. Bing Crosby, just... Even if you don't like, like, old-school, like, crooners who, like, just have, like, a deep and soothing voice, it is very atmospheric. And Bing Crosby just nails it. Um, And Ichabod Crane, he is super lovable. Um, Yeah, that is the... That is where Disney's, like... Headless Horseman is from. That is like every incarnation you will see at like a Disney parade or in like any kind of Disney media, whether you're like, if you're like a real Disney fanatic, you're like watching like Old House of Mouse. That Headless Horseman is from this short film. Originally, it was paired with, I'm almost positive, uh, Mr. Toad. I don't know what the full title is, but they're usually a double feature. Mr. Toad's cool, but uh, Ichabod Crane is the one that's memorable. That's definitely... And it's not, like, it's it's scary, but it's, like, Disney scary. So I'm pretty sure even, like, because I was watching it when I was, like, three or four. So that's, like, a pretty safe one. Um, for a little uh, older audience, like, we're getting closer to, like, eight, maybe, 12 and older. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas um, and Frankenweenie are, like, definitely ones I would recommend. Nightmare Before Christmas... Is, is great because even if you're going to buy this, it doubles, you know, you can watch it on Halloween or on Christmas. It's fun that way. And it's not long because it's stop motion. It takes forever to animate. I'm pretty sure like Nightmare Before Christmas, I could easily check, but I'm not going to. Clock's in at like an hour 12. Very short. Very enjoyable. I watched it just recently. Uh, actually for Christmas. This past Christmas I watched it. And um, this again... Uh, songs that are catchy, um, the characters super lovable, and it's just scary enough that like um, a a child could watch it without having like, well, you know what? Who's kidding who? They could probably have nightmares for a while, but the average child, I would assume, would not get nightmares from this. I'm not saying anything's wrong with your child. It is spooky, but it's not like frightening. Uh, and Frank and Weenie, Frank and Weenie, Weenie. This is actually directed by Tim Burton. I know Nightmare Before Christmas, everybody always assumes it is because it says Tim Burton's. He produced it. He wrote it. The characters are his. He didn't direct it. Nothing to do with him. But Frank and Weenie, on the other hand, he did direct that. And that movie, if you're a horror goon like I am, has a ton of homages and little references to not just like classic, like universal monsters, but anything from like kaiju, like Gamera and Godzilla to... um, you know, kind of like black and white thrillers of like the fifties and sixties. And it's so heartwarming. I remember watching this with my mom. Mm, I want to say like three years ago, four years ago. And I love my dog. My dog and I are inseparable. She is my world. I watched this movie. I was sobbing and I am not ashamed to admit that. But what made it worse was when I looked over to my mom 
who watches with me because you know what? She's one of those people who's like, oh, are you watching the spooky one? Is this a scary one? But I'm like, yeah, it is. And she'll sit down. She'll watch it with me. And she will be like, ooh, that was scary. It's like, yes, you know what you're watching. But she's sitting down watching this with me. And uh, I look over at her and she is just absolutely covered with, with tears. She was like sobbing. And that just made me worse because I'm, I, you know, you see like a woman cry, let alone your mom, and instantly you're crying. So just be warned. It is a uh, a heartfelt tale. It really strikes the emotions. It is um, filmed in black and white, um, but it's it's new. Like I think uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is like a '90s movie, um, whereas Frank and Weenie, I'm pretty sure, just came out in the last six, eight, seven, eight years. It's not very old. Um, it's pretty current. It's pretty easy to watch, um, and also too because it is also a stop motion film. Not that long. Um, really easy to fly through. Um, I have two more before I jump at, uh, at your discretion, um, picks, but, uh, if you're, if your kid is just eating these up, I would definitely recommend, uh, Mad Monster Party. It is super dated. Um, and I mean that not as like anything like racist or sexist. I mean, if you look, I'm sure you'll find something, but I just mean like the pacing is a little bit slower and the jokes are n- not current. I guess that is the best way to say that it is dated. Um, it is from Rankin Bass, the people that created um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa's Coming to Town, The Year Without Santa Claus, those um, kind of clunky, cheap-looking holiday classics that we've all watched in syndication numerous times as children. It is basically every single monster you can think of. Frankenstein, Wolfman, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Invisible Man, King Kong even, I'm pretty sure, is in this. Um just anything you can think of, they're all in this, and they're all having a party at Count Dracula's house. So it's kind of fun. Also, it wasn't on my list, but thinking about it now, they're not my favorite. I've only seen the first one, but I'm sure like Hotel Transylvania would be perfect for kiddos if you're going to just have something on for them to get them in the Halloween spirit. Also, I've seen this only once. I know this is a lot of people's favorite. I didn't enjoy it, but if so many people like it, it must be for a reason, and that's Hocus Pocus. Um, I'm sure that'll be a fun one. There's, I know there's like a ton of like Disney made TV movies like Halloween town and, uh, my neighbor's a ghoul. I, that's not a real movie, but it's something like that. I remember watching one when I was younger. It was like Christopher Lloyd. Um, they're okay. They're very cheap. I don't know how easy they'll be to find. Like if you were to <clears throat> illegally torrent some of these, I don't know if you could even find those. They might be on iTunes. So Maybe you could check those there. Um, if you're in the States, I don't know like if they're a little easier to acquire. In Canada, it seems to be everything's under lock and key. It's kind of hard to come across stuff. Um, but I would check maybe Amazon. You might be able to like rent it online. So check out that. Um, and now at your discretion, because these are my favorites, but I'm in my 20s. I'm an adult. Um, and uh, been an adult for a while now, so I don't really think about these that much, but... I think they're kind of family friendly, but watching them kind of recently, I've seen some spots where it's like, eh, it's, uh, I will, like, a parent should be watching this with their kids. Not that it's like anything like terrible, like, no titties are popping out. Um, I shouldn't even be saying titties. This is for like the kids. Like, come on, get it together, Tyler. But there's no nudity. There's no, um, killing per se. Um, but death is obviously 
uh, key part of these stories. And there's some jokes that are a little suggestible. And that would be, uh, the first one would be Young Frankenstein, which is not just a favorite Halloween movie, but a favorite movie of mine. And this is uh, starring Gene Wilder, directed by Mel Brooks. It is, um, in my mind, it goes like Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein. And that's canon. Everything else isn't canon unless you're including like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. But even then, that movie is such a love letter to um, all of the old universal horror films. And it actually, like, if you're like a buff like I am, like it has like tons of set pieces and costumes and story arcs that were in the old uh, Frankenstein films. And it's really fun. The jokes are snappy. They're quick. Um, they're well thought out. Admittedly, a few jokes will fly over a younger kid's head, but, um, still there's lots, lots and lots to enjoy. A lot of physical comedy, a lot of jokes that are just hilarious for all ages. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's black and white. Um, it's not intended for children. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but yeah, maybe just if you're the parent, give that a watch through first, uh, before like you let, uh, your kiddos watch that. Um, but it's definitely worth it. And I mean, like, even if you're not going to show it to your kids, even if, or if you don't even have kids, like I'm just assuming everybody here has kids the way I'm talking, it's well worth your time. You are definitely going to like laugh at least twice. And that is a good movie. And when I say twice, I mean, you should be laughing the entire movie. Um, but it's, it's crisp. It's good. If you like Mel Brooks, it's worth your time. Um, also too, uh, Casper, I felt like this was going to be an easy recommendation. Um, but watching it, um, recently, I think it was like last year ish by now. Um, there's a few jokes that were a little suggestible, like in the nineties, it'd be like, haha, like I'm not going to think about it, but it's 2018 now. So, um, just keep in mind that there are a couple jokes in there that are a little off. Um, there's some suggestible themes as well in the, in the, in the movie, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's honestly, it's, it's fun. I love that movie as a kid. Um, and it's Casper. I mean, like not a lot of kids know who Casper is anymore, but Casper is, is definitely like a staple, um, when it comes to kind of like childhood spookies. So it's good to check out. Also kind of cool tied into it is, uh, into that movie is my next recommendation for viewer discretion, um, is Ghostbusters. Every kid should watch Ghostbusters but you have to decide which age that's going to be. I think I was closer to 11, 12 when I first saw Ghostbusters and it changed my life, but that that's 11 or 12. So there are some things in there that I wouldn't be showing to a five or six year old. But if you feel that like Ghostbusters is okay and you are good with that, that is definitely like a family friendly, um, like Halloween movie to watch. So now that I have gotten those out of the way and also keep in mind, there are tons, tons and tons and tons of things to watch. I am, and I literally could talk about horror movies and Halloween movies for days because I love all of the franchises, but I think in here it's going to be just like core essentials and, um, actually like, I think it'll be like core essentials and movies that like you wouldn't look for. Um, I was going to talk about as I did in my last podcast, something that's like, underrated or unloved and why you should give it a second chance. And I still might, but I doubt it because I've just got a lot on here and, um, 
But yeah, just keep that in mind. Like when I'm getting closer to the end here, I'm going to be talking about um, like kind of like a flash round of stuff that I'm going to be suggesting. And there's a lot on there that you'll be like, why didn't you include this? Why wouldn't you include this? These are obvious choices. And the answer is right there that they're obvious choices. You probably already know about them. So just keep that in mind. But for true essential viewing, these are things that I watch almost every October. Um, the first one is An American Werewolf in London. This is great, especially if you don't like horror movies so much, um, because it's like a perfect blend of horror and comedy. Um, two friends go to London. Uh, actually, they could be in Scotland, and they're backpacking. Um, and basically, they get um, off path and stumble into an encounter with a werewolf. And basically, horror and hilarity ensue, and it has like every rendition of Blue Moon that I can think of in that movie. And I watched this one when I was a kid, and I still love it. I've seen it maybe like 30 times since then. It never gets old. And there's so many things in there, especially you watch, you're like, oh my god, like I did not remember this was in there, or oh, that's like just perfect. It has tons of those moments. It is essential. Um, if you're listening to this, make sure if you're going to get at least one movie in that it is um, American Werewolf in London. You won't be disappointed. Also, the special effects in that movie, just groundbreaking. It was like, I'm pretty sure it won like the like the first makeup um, award um, at the Oscars. Uh, second on this list is uh, Trick or Treat. Um, it's a little fun anthology film uh, that my roommate uh, got me hooked on in university. And it's uh, basically, I think it's four stories. Again, like I did research, but like I'm reading through this stuff and I'm like, I should have researched way more. So I think it's like four stories and it's kind of fun because they all take place in this same town and um, they kind of all intertwine, but like they're not related. It's one of those kind of movies where it's like everything is linked, but like it's not like, yeah, let's say there's like, um, I think one of them is like a werewolf story and the next one's like a zombie story in no way are like the werewolves and the zombies related, but it has like a scraggler like character who goes from one story to the other. And I don't think it's actually like a linear narrative. I think the stories jump all over the place, but it is fun. And it's very, very um, atmospheric. Like the whole town is like one of those like old American towns. It's like, they get like super hyped for like holidays. And so it just really puts you in the mood for Halloween it's got a lot of actually like um, big players in it and um, it's just fun to watch and it doesn't feel long. That's the best part of it. like horror movies. Sometimes if they're slow burn and it's worth it, then it's great. But when they're slow burn and it's like, boo at the very end, it's like, that's what's more scary is that you wasted all that time watching it. This movie doesn't have that. It's just quick to the punch. Almost all the stories are memorable. Like for me, I've seen it now mm, 10, 15 times in my life probably not that many let's let's go with 10 and there's two or three of like the four or five stories that stick with me um still not like they petrified me it's just they were well done and uh, also too if you're into um horror icons it's got little sam it's like this little he's not a kid but he's basically the size of a kid and he's in this like um i guess it's like potato sack looking jumpsuit and he's got like a a, a sucker knife um, weapon, and he's adorable. Like 
he's scary, but he's adorable. It's like that fun mix that not, nothing really ever has. Um, he's cool. He's definitely, he is like the, um, the host, I guess, of this anthology. If you want to look at it like that, he appears in like all of the, yeah, he appears in all of the stories and he has like a couple, he has two stories where he's actually like it, the antagonist, I guess, if you want to call it that, where he's actually like, um, making all of the occurrences take place it's fun and it's new it's not like old um not that old's bad but i know not old isn't for everybody um a lot of people just get bored or instant instantly like disinterested as soon as they see something that's black and white or old and yeah sometimes the pacing's a little off but there's a lot of examples where the stories are just unreal even when it's black and white um Speaking of black and white, an essential for me is Frankenstein, the 1931 classic. Again, I talked about this last podcast. I should have looked it up. I'm pretty sure it's 31. Of all of the monster films, this one I feel holds up the best. Um, and it's not long. Um, the pacing is not too bad. And, like, everybody knows Frankenstein. But if you want something on that you're just going to, like, munch on popcorn too, and you want, like, mood, and you want, like, kind of like a like that that i keep saying mood and atmosphere a lot and i really i'm looking for another word here but it's basically that like it is um it's got the mad scientist it's got the monster it's got the angry townsfolk it's got the pretty crisp story especially for like 1931 and um yeah it he is probably the most iconic like i would also like recommend like if you're like eh, frankenstein's great but i'm not really like into Frankenstein, any, any of the original six, like there's more than that, but the original six being Dracula, uh, Frankenstein, the invisible man, the bride of Frankenstein. If you like watch this movie, bride, uh, Frankenstein, and you're like, damn, that's some good shit. Put on bride of Frankenstein. It is the perfect companion piece for that. Like that sequel is one of the best sequels. It's one of those sequels where it's better than the original, arguably. I don't think it is, but I can see where the, the that stance comes from. Also, you have the Wolfman. Uh, is another great one. Um, and my personal favorite too is the creature from the black lagoon. Any of those, if you're like, yeah, Frankenstein's not for me, any of those six, go check them out. Universal horror, uh, from the thirties, forties and fifties. Um, they're great. They're great. And especially like, uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, invisible man, bride. Um, they're all thirties. Or The Mummy, even. I wouldn't recommend The Mummy, but if you're like, yeah, I'll check out The Mummy. Mummy, I haven't seen it. <laughs> the Mummy. Um, worth worth it. Uh, and they're, I, what I was going to say is, because they were made in the 30s, they're short. So it's like, like hitting all the points that they need to hit. And then right when it gets good, it's like the monster dies or they get rid of it or the solution is taken care of. It's like, we did it. End. That's it. There's no like let's see the repercussions it's literally it's like a universal picture it ends right there like i remember like laughing with my roommate scott about that literally all the time so he'd be like is he gone now it looks like he is done da, 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 da. universal pictures it's they're quick they're like an hour 20 minutes so if you just want something quick on a little something before you go to bed that's um check that out this next one um oh just keep in mind like almost all this podcast is going to be lists. So if you like, don't want to listen to nobody talk about lists, 
uh, just fast forward to when I start reading some stories. Also, yeah, I have, um, not to be like a cluster brain, but I got just a lot here. Like, I love Halloween. I've got two short stories that I'm going to be reading. And then like, um, well, I guess they're not short stories. I guess for you <coughs> youngins, they're called creepy pastas. And then I have one longer, um, quote unquote, uh, short story, uh, that I'll be reading to you guys, but I still got a lot here to talk about. So I'm going to try and hammer through it. This next film is a little divisive because I know, um, when you get into zombies, which is like very tired by 2018, people are very divisive. Um, they like their zombies to be serious. They like their zombies to be wacky. They like their zombies to be shot in the head or anything kills them. They need to be slow, fast. I used to care. I don't anymore. This is a movie I watched when I was younger and I, I love it. Um, it's the return of the living dead. Um, this movie is fun. That is like the best way to describe it is fun. It's fast paced. Um, it's like, it's a direct sequel to night of the living dead, uh, which takes place. I'm pretty sure in the sixties and they make reference to it. So if you've never seen it, but you know what it is, or you've never seen it and you've just kind of heard the title, they talk about it in this movie. So you don't, you could see night of the living dead before you watch this, but you don't have to. And what it is basically is these punks and like, they're very funny. It's funny to look at now as what I'm getting at punks. They're like very typical, uh, typical, like 20, uh, 1980s punks, like neon pink mohawks, like sleeveless, like vests, fingerless gloves, like boom box. Like I hate cops. It's, it's unreal. They're perfect. They get entangled with these zombies and these zombies are fun because, oh, and they look great by the way. These are some of the best looking zombies you're going to see on film especially from the eighties. Um, these zombies are like the first ones that go brains. They just want brains and nothing kills them. And it's also fun. You're going to see it. Like if you watch this, anything could be a zombie. Like if you were dead, you're a zombie. If you're a skeleton, you're a zombie. You're cut in half. You're a zombie. Like you are alive and bit. You're a zombie. It doesn't matter. Any form of dead, you're back to life now and nothing kills you. It is great. The soundtrack is super punk. Like they have that one song, uh, party time. I can tell you right now, there's an iconic scene in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but when that song plays party time, it's going to be stuck in your head for days. Like I'm just thinking about it right now. It's like in my head. Uh, I don't know if it's a short movie. I would guess it's like an hour and 40 minutes. If you, uh, dabble in physical media uh shout factory i guess a scream factory when it's horror they put out like a beautiful copy of this um two years ago three years ago pick it up it's uh just jam-packed with extras it's got a poster it's the best you're gonna see the film and then to finish this off to cap off essential viewings i'm just gonna throw in quick a few honorable mentions um any like franchise like friday 13th nightmare on elm street Halloween, Leprechaun, Hellraiser, Jaws, my favorite, Texas Chainsaw. All of those are essentials. You could watch those, but I feel like they are the essentials already. People put those on usually when they're getting into the mood. So I'm not including them. I love them. I could talk about them. I probably probably will in a future episode, but not today. So to finish this off is another one that is just beaten to death, but is just a fantastic movie, is The Exorcist. This movie is the one that kind of capped it off for me. Uh, 
I saw this in grade nine. I still remember this vividly. I was sharing like beers with a bunch of buddies that like, I, I like, I took from my dad and we watched this movie and I was like, yeah, I don't really want to. Cause everybody always hyped this movie up and they still do. It was like the scariest movie. And it's like, like half of me was like, eh, I really don't want to be scared in front of my friends. And the other half was like, it's old. It's probably not going to be scary. Vividly shook me. I, it's not the scariest thing I've ever seen. But it was unlike anything I had ever seen. And I still love it. The theme is in my head. Quotes are in my head. The story is in my head. That is a... Like, it is a masterpiece. Like, um... Like, I would throw this up here with, like, The Godfather or um, Citizen Kane. The Exorcist is one of those movies that will stand the test of time. If you're going to watch one movie other than American Werewolf, it's got to be The Exorcist. If you're not going to watch it this Halloween, promise me promise yourself you're going to watch this movie at least once so good the sequels it has sequels yeah it has sequels um even though it's an open and shut uh, story it's one of those early uh late 70s early 80s were like "Ooh, this was good let's make sequels but sir it doesn't make sense we're making a sequel it's one of those movies um two is a is infamously bad. I've never even watched it. I have watched three, though. Three ties directly into one. It's a pretty good movie, but nothing compares to this first movie. Everything about it, the makeup, the effects, the story, it's all there, and it will scare you. And, like, it's so... It's one of those movies where it is such a surreal and fantastical um, premise, but the film itself is so grounded, it's hard to not um, feel for these characters and just be like in, involved. Basically I could go on and on watch the exorcist. The, and speaking of the exorcist, now I'm going to talk to you about um, quick, uh, just quick, real quick TV, TV stuff uh, that you got to watch, check it out. Um, Cause I know not everybody's into movies. They don't want to watch an hour and a half to, Sometimes three hours. I don't think anything I... Maybe The Exorcist. But they don't want to watch it. It's... Uh, some people um, don't have the uh, the discipline or the patience anymore in this day and age. Uh, I admittedly uh, can't watch some stuff anymore without pulling out my phone. Um, so I figured I'd uh, recommend some TV. You can watch this in little parts. They're like... Some of these are half hour. Some of these are 45 minutes, like the hour format. And you just watch a couple. And then maybe you just want to watch this series or this season instead of like putting on a couple movies um because you know it's easier anyways the very first season of the exorcist tv show uh the girlfriend and i put it on um because we were looking for something new to watch and uh it was fantastic it was fantastic it actually just makes me upset that we'll never get a third season there are two seasons i've never watched the second season yet but um this first season is basically um it's like open and close. It's a closed story. So it starts, it ends. Like you can tell that they could put, they could pick it up, which they did for a second season. But if you just watch it to the end of that, it's open and shut. Easily the best um, like network TV I've ever I've watched in a long, long time. It was gory. There was um, a lot of suggestive themes. Um, it was over the top, like a lot of stuff. Like I was like, you'll watch this show if you do. And you're like, this is definitely like AMC or HBO or this is like Netflix. Like, nope, Fox made this Fox. That's probably like the reason like Disney, this is like side note, sidebar, like crazy. This is definitely the reason like Disney picked up Fox. Their TV 
like I'm going to be talking about um, another, like I'm going to talk about X-Files in a second. That's Vox also. They crush it in TV. Like their TV is on point. Watch The Exorcist. It's not long. It's, uh, I'm going to lie to you right now. I think it's eight episodes, but it could be 10 or longer. You'll fly through them though. We watched the whole season in like three or four days. And that was like even pacing them out. Like if we wanted to watch them, we could have got them all done in a day or two. Um, Gina Davis and um, I guess that's really the big name you need to know about. She's not like the most flattering uh, anymore, but she can still act pretty well and uh, just just crushes it on the show. I legit got scared. I haven't been scared watching TV in a, in a while. There are a couple scenes where I'm like, damn. And also, too, it it does that thing that I love when I watch horror movies. Um, because especially if you watch like a lot of Possession uh, stuff, it's always like God. God, if you believe in God, God will save you. And even if you don't believe in God, but you like you trust that he's there, he'll save you. And this, it shows a lot of like the conflicts that The Exorcist deals with the movie. Is that like, what if you like don't believe in God? Like you're a priest, but you're like, I've been doing this a lot. Like he doesn't do shit. They touched on that topic, and it was, and I was like, whoa! Like it, I was like, whoa! This is this is superb. This is well done. Um, not a lot of characters. Like we're not talking Game of Thrones here. There's like five essential characters and a little side plot, but the all main plot and the ball does not stop rolling it just goes down the hill and it just is just it's great there's no slow parts it just keeps going um check that out uh if you're in canada it's on netflix both seasons uh are now on netflix the second season i think just came on like a a week or two ago definitely check that out the next show that i'm going to recommend is um lore it's called lore um this is actually like a tv show based on a podcast um, of the same name. I actually watched the show before I knew there was a podcast. Um, the pot, the show takes a couple of like the best episodes of the podcast. It tweaks the story a bit. So it's like a little more ad- adaptable for like TV. And, um, basically it just, um, yeah, it basically, they're all lore. I guess I was searching for a word there. It's, it's, it's all, it's all based on, um, on lore. Uh, like folklore and not just folklore, but stories like historical stories of like crazy shit that happened. Um, everything from like lobotomy to uh, changelings to um, oh, my brother and I's like favorite. It, there's one episode just on Robert the doll, which is like um, this creepy doll, which uh, arguably has like a couple different origins. Because like when I watched that, I was like, that's not the story I heard. But I know I I do know there are like three or four different stories. Uh, for this this doll, uh, but this like a doll in like Key West who's like possessed, like think like Chucky or something, and uh, just it's great because like it talks about the actual. It's like watching a documentary on this on these little things. Um, like I I'm not selling this 100 percent like great, but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's really easy to watch. Um, it jumps between like the actual real story and then having like um like actors like portray those things. Um, you can check that out, um, anywhere. Uh, it's an Amazon prime exclusive. So if you have Amazon prime, you can watch this anywhere. Um, if you don't, I'm pretty sure they do that same thing that Netflix does, like try like a free trial. Uh, the second season I know is coming out either this week or next week. And, uh, 
really looking forward to that. Apparently it's got like an episode or two that aren't even on the podcast. Um, so yeah, that's definitely worth watching. Um, the next ones are just going to be, are like my favorites. So, but unfortunately they aren't on anything streamable anymore in Canada. Um, so try your best to find these, whether you have to do it <coughs> illegally, <laughs> no one does that. Wink, wink. Um, or I think if you have like some sort of like cable options, like, um, what is that? Crave, Crave TV. Um, you might be able to find these and these are the twilight zone from the fifties and sixties, Rod Serling's, uh, or the ever famous X-Files, the X-Files. Um, so I just wrote down, uh, I could give like a little bit of detail, I guess, but I just kind of want to fly through these. Let me be very clear before I read these, all of the Twilight Zone and all the X-Files, I cannot recommend enough. The X-Files are huge. Um, but all of the, there are so, so many good story arcs and episodes. Um, you could watch it for days on end. Um, but yeah, let me just give you a couple of good ones here. So the Twilight Zone. I have season one, episode seven. It is called The Lonely. Um, this is basically a man gets trapped on a planet um, or an asteroid, I think. I, it could be something like that. And it's he, he, he either murdered somebody or he did something atrocious. And uh, he's now like sentenced there to live in like isolation. And basically he's given... Um, he's they drop off a, a special box and inside of it is something that will, um, will basically change his life on that planet, uh, for the rest of his time there. It's, it's, uh, one of my personal favorites. Um, I don't really see it written about too often if you're like scrolling through like, um, best of lists, but check it out. It's, uh, it's good. And also to real quick, these twilight zone episodes, I'm almost positive are just a half hour. You just throw one on when you're eating dinner or lunch or whatever. Lunch, that'd be nice, you know? Um, yeah, just throw one on even at nighttime. Uh, just great. Perfect uh, little little short stories to get you thinking and get you a little spooked. Um, time Enough at Last. This is Season 1, Episode 8, the very next episode. Um, this is basically um, Burgess Meredith, um, Mick. Mick, I'm pretty sure, from Rocky Movies. Or if you're uh, a little bit of a uh, a comic book guy, he plays the Penguin in the old 1960s Batman TV series. He's got an unmistakable voice. He basically plays this, uh, I want to call him like a curmudgeon, but he's basically like this little anti-socialite um, who would rather um, read, uh, read books uh, than do anything else. And uh, yeah, something happens and... Uh, that's all you can do, basically. So, without spoiling it, it is definitely worth the watch. That's the thing. I don't think I want to like recommend or recommend these episodes and then give you a little synopsis, because like I feel because of the way I am, I'm gonna ruin these. So, um, basically, just take my word for it. If you want to look them up, that's fine. But they're half hours. Like, what do you have? What do you have to lose? So, the next episode is uh, season one, episode twenty-two. The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Now, this is an episode, along with the last episode, that you will see on a ton of best of lists. This one is just crazy. Um, it's basically a UFO touches down, or what the people think is a UFO touches down, on this small little community. 
and then everybody is turning on each other um, because you basically see how fear impacts the human psyche, and it is just um, it is just as prevalent now as it is as it was then. Um, nothing about people have changed, and it, it's just a great episode. Um, moving on, season five, episode six, "The Living Doll." That's Tina, the talking doll. Creepy as creepy as hell. Um, just about dropped the f bomb there. Like that, I watched that with the girlfriend four or five months ago. I still think about that episode. It is like if you're gonna like talk about creepy dolls, Tina the talking doll, creepy, like up there, Hall of Fame talking doll, creepy. Uh, check that one out. And the last one, this is actually the very first episode of the Twilight Zone I ever saw. I must have been twelve or thirteen. The season two, episode twenty-eight. It is called "Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up?" And it's basically this man is in a diner. And over the radio, I'm pretty sure, they say that they saw um, a ship crash near this diner. And they say there's reports, there's like trajectory that it's from a Martian. And so this shady gentleman walks into the diner, and now everybody in this diner has to find out who this Martian is. And kind of like that last episode, people start turning on each other, but not so much. It's just more of a, a almost like a spy on spy who's who. Um, great episode and the ending is like oof, what a twist like i still think about it i saw it like over 10 years ago um so yeah check those out any like i said everything is good on the twilight zone you can watch them over and over and over very good um and then to to finish off this tv list i got a lot more lists so i hope you guys are buckled in uh is uh the x-files uh so just like the Twilight Zone, a lot of these are from season one. It's hard not to recommend the entire first seasons of both of these series just alone. Like, all of, like, the Twilight Zone first season and all of, like, the X-Files first season, just binge them. If you find them, just binge them. They're a good time. Like, solid entries. Like, easy to see why the next seasons were just, like, instantly greenlit. So good. Um, season one, episode three, is called Squeeze. Um, Basically, it's like, if I remember this correctly, it's like a serial killer who can transform his body, like morph his body so he can get through like crevices and cracks. And it's like super creepy. Um, it's not, I want to say it's Brad Dourif, but I know it's not. He's actually in a different episode I'm going to be recommending. Um, but check that one out. The next episode is season one, episode eight, Ice. Um, it's kind of like the X-Files version of uh, John Car Carpenter's The Thing. Um, basically, I think it's like Norway. This boat crashes. It's like between Norway and the States. This boat crashes and um, everybody on it has disappeared. Um, no, there's no trace. There was like one last call. And when they go on it, then they realize like everybody's like getting angry and trying to kill each other. And it's basically like a race against the clock to figure out how to stop this slash find out what it is. So good. Um, it's hard to believe like they fit all of that story in just a 45 minute episode. Uh, definitely check that one out. Brad Dourif is in this one. This season one, episode 13 is called beyond the sea. Um, I don't know like how to explain it. Like, and it's not really like tied to anything. Um, but it's, um, it's kind of like their silence of the lambs, I guess. Um, there's this killer on the loose and Brad Dourif is playing this 
a serial killer who's been locked up but has like psychic powers. So Dana uh, Scully and Fox Mulder have to turn to him uh, to get his help. And uh, Brad Dourif, uh he's like the voice of Chucky. He is like, uh, he's also, what is that guy's name? Like Worm Tongue? Worm something? In The Lord of the Rings? He's got that like very distinctive voice. Um, and he's just a stellar actor. He's the, uh, he plays the, uh, the psychic. Um, it's a, it's a top tier episode. And now I got two more, two more. Hang in there, two more. So this one here is season four, episode two. It's called Home. This episode I literally just watched before Netflix. R.A.P. took down um, X-Files from Canadian Netflix. This episode I read before I even put it on was banned. It had one airing when it came on the TV. Um, and it was deemed so scary, so disturbing that they took it off. And I was like, yeah, was, who gives a shit, right? It's the 90s. I'm sure it's fine. I've made this mistake once before. I put it on and I was like, nope, 100% get why it was never like aired again. It wasn't like it was like anything was just like brutal. But it was so um, repulsive and so, um, yeah, like mentally disturbing. Uh, and it just crossed so many themes that like even like a lot of TV now wouldn't even dare to put on. Um, yeah, it uh, check that out. If you're going to check out any of these X-File episodes, put on that one. Uh, the girlfriend watched it. She's never watched X-Files and she's like, good goddamn. You know, like that was a, a stellar episode. Um, better than like most horror movies I've watched recently. Even it was, uh, it'll stick with me. Um, it was over the top. There's basically every like um, adjective I could give um, for how ludicrous it was. It was that not like you're going to be like, it's not like a, a blast into space, like crazy, but it's just like, whoa, 90s TV out of left field, just socking you right in the jaw. That's kind of like the feeling. Cause it's just, it's a lot to take in. Um, and this last episode is definitely not the best, but it's super Halloweeny, if you will. Um, I just watched this one. I, uh, acquired season 11 through means I won't disclose. Um, so this is season 11, episode eight. It is titled familiar. This has like one of the scariest looking dolls, um, I've ever seen in like any like media. He is called Mr. Chuckle Teeth. Look it up. If you're not even gonna watch the episode, just look up Mr. Chuckle Teeth. I think that's as as much as I need to say. He's like this like I guess this is like spoilery, so I shouldn't really be saying it, but basically he hides in the woods and he preys on children. So it's very scary. Um so yeah, check that out. I don't even want to talk about it. He's just got like this creepy, creepy ass smile. So that's it. I'm done with that. Um so I think I'm going to talk about um, some genre recommendations, kind of just a flash round. Uh, I got a lot here to talk about. Like I said, I could talk about this for hours, hours and hours, um, but I'm not going to because you're probably like, Jesus Christ, like I'm doing you a favor, man, listening to this episode and you've just been talking about lists. So let's give you a little more lists. Um, so slasher movies. Um, now, I'm using slasher very loosely. So as I said before, like all the franchises, Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, check those out. Leprechaun, blah, blah, blah. Check those out. And there's also like some other really good ones um, that aren't in those franchises that like I'm sure people have seen. Um, like even like Scream, 
Uh, oh, like prom night. That's a scary one. Um, yeah, I just seem like a retard. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so let's jump into it. Uh, check this one out. Sleepaway camp. Um, basically, it's a bunch of kids at camp. There's a bunch of, like, counselors. There's one killer. The twist at the end is going to be, like, good goddamn. Like, it's going to get you out of nowhere. I still think about it from time to time. Also, like, that end reveal. Like, that, like, who's the killer? It's one of those. Who's the killer? Um, they have, like, a mask. One of these people has, like, a mask. Creepy. It's, like, this, like, elongated face. Very weird. Um, and then speaking of like creepy masks, uh, check out, uh, Tourist Trap. It's like a film from the seventies. Um, not great. Like some people watch this be like, yeah, this is dog shit. But like, I liked it. It's just like, it's just over the top. It's, uh, and not like the good way. Like I was just talking about with X-Files, like how does this make sense way? Oh my God. I can't believe I'm watching this. This is unreal. Um, basically these, these kids, which are 30 year olds, uh, get, uh, I think they get a flat tire. They get a flat tire. They run out of gas and they're on this like side road as they, as these things happen. And, uh, they like stumble into this old like mannequin place, which I'm already out. I hate mannequins. It's like this like wax figure place. And, uh, basically the mannequins are killing them. It's the, uh, short end of that stick. Um, and it's just creepy because, uh, there's like a twist, quote unquote, and it's not really a twist. You're like, yeah, I saw this coming. But uh, one of the things that is chasing them isn't the thing that it's portraying itself as. And it's actually the thing you knew it was as soon as you started the movie. But it's kind of cool. Uh, if you want something different, definitely check that out. And like I said, I'm using slasher hella loosely. Like Sleepaway Camp is a slasher. Tourist Trap, okay. Um, this next couple will be but then i've got like two that aren't like i have them in this list but if like you're following real slasher rules like where it's got to be a person which also it's just like i could go off topic and talk about how many slashers like is really jason or or like michael myers or freddie like a person like who's kidding who but this next one maniac cop one and two um again not like a person he's like are you a person are you like undead are you a ghost i don't know uh this guy named matt Matt Kimball? Kimball? You'd think I have all this information, but I really don't. This is super unorganized. Basically, the music is like hard synth. It's very uh, grindhouse, midnight movie uh, budget and feel. It's got, um, I just about called him Ash, Bruce Campbell. It's got Bruce Campbell in this. Um, and uh, who directed this? Hold on a sec. You're going to hear this. Is it Tom Holland? Not Spider-Man, but like Tom Holland, like 80s horror guy. Yeah, I think so. And it's directed by William Lustig. Um, Just a solid combo right there. Tom Holland and William Lustig. Uh, William Lustig actually directed um, another one that I'm going to talk about in a second here uh, called Dolls. Um, But solid. Uh, I like two better. Uh, One is really good, but it kind of gets, I don't want to say like boring. But it does a little bit. It gets a little slow. But then it picks right back up at the end. Um, the first half, though, is like like hit after hit. You're like, yes, this is unreal. This is good. Um, but then it gets slow. Uh, I'm not even going to lie to you. So just prepared. Like, just be ready to watch a movie. Don't be ready to just have your socks blown off. Uh, but two is a little faster paced, a little more constant. And it, it uh, same people. I'm pretty sure it's the same people in it. Even Bruce Campbell's in it. And uh, 
just on like a side note here, just do me a favor. Watch um, Maniac Cop 2 um, video trailer. One of my favorite trailers of all time. Just crisp editing. The sound is cool. It just makes you feel awesome. Like, I don't know. Anyways, next one. Point of Terror. Nothing to really say about this one. It's just kind of like a fun slasher. It's just uh, different. I know all the other ones. I'm like, yeah, this is great. But this one is uh, just something you haven't seen. It's just uh, it's just one that's kind of under the radar. Nothing I can really talk about. It's got a, kind of a cool mask. Kind of a downer note. But uh, yeah, just check that out. If you've seen them all, that's one you probably haven't. So Next, this is where it goes a little off the rails. These aren't really slashers, but like I don't really know where else to throw these into. So check out Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You heard me right. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a bunch of alien killer clowns who kill you and make you into some sort of circus thing. If I remember that correctly, it's like you get shot uh, and you turn into popcorn or you get hit with a pie in the face and your face burns off or you get turned into uh, a toy animal, like a, like not a toy animal, like a balloon animal. And the theme music is like the classic, like, and but it's like a rock scary version. It's kind of cool. Um, it's it's actually like a pretty cool movie. Like I put it on just like, eh, like I'll put it on for shits. It's a good movie. I've seen it twice and I still remember it pretty well. It's a, uh, it's fun. It's a good time. Um, I wouldn't recommend it if it, I wouldn't watch it. Um, I do watch a lot of garbage, but uh, it's it's uh, it's. Not one everybody uh, watches, and it's not one a lot of people know about, so check that one out. And then finally, the one that uh, William Lustig was uh, attached to uh, was um, Dolls. Actually, was it Tom Holland? Hold on a second. Let me just look up something here. I'm just going to pause this real quick. I'm back. I lied. No, it wasn't. It's uh, Larry Cohen. Um, yeah. So not Tom Holland. Um, yeah, uh, so I want to apologize. So I said that William Lustig and, um, Tom Holland originally did these and I just paused it for a second. So I'm like, like, I know my stuff pretty well. I'm like, this doesn't sound right. And I didn't have anything written down. And sure enough, sure enough, I was wrong. Uh, he did not, uh, do dolls. Like I kind of like hinted at, no, he, uh, the, the guy who did Dolls is Stuart Gordon. And the film I was thinking of wasn't um, Maniac Cop. It was The Reanimator, which is a perfect film. If I'm going to classify a film, like a horror film, like The Fly and Reanimator, um, they're perfect films. They have nothing to do with anything I'm talking about other than The Reanimator uh, is directed by the same guy who did Dolls and not who I said directed it. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry about that. I'm just going to pretend like this didn't happen, and I'm just going to keep rolling on with the show. So, Dolls um, is kind of cool. It's basically two shitty parents, and their kid gets stuck at these old toy markers' house, and the toys come to life. Shocker, right? Then the movie's called Dolls, and the dolls come to life. But the dolls don't like that the parents are shitty, and I mean, there's other people in the movie, like other people are like, oh, I also like, am stuck in this house. So a lot of people die is why I included in here. It's just fun. And the 
the effects aren't like mind blowing, but they're kind of cool, like stop motiony, and um, it's got like kind of like a warm story. I know it's like kind of weird for a horror story, but nothing happens in this movie where you're as a normal human being. You're like, no, that makes sense. Like, doesn't seem like unwarranted. Um, but check that one out. It's not long either. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. Um, and then also, like, I just want to like the OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know I kind of said like you would think of these, but a lot of people only watch the two remakes. They don't watch the original. There's nothing wrong with the remakes. I actually am like a huge advocate for those two uh, remakes. Um, if the original is still as disturbing as I'm sure it was when it came out, uh, I watch this probably like once a year around this time. And it's not gruesome. People always think it's gruesome because the remakes are hella gruesome. But these ones, this this one, specifically this first one, it's not. It's all like... Um, through editing and different tactics, it like it tricks you, right? It's one of those where it just it deceives through imagery and uh, but just like the feeling and the sounds and like the set pieces and it just feels sticky. Like if like everything about it feels like you feel like you're that character, warm, sticky, uncomfortable. You just want to like scream because it's so awful, and it, that's perfect to me. That is a how a horror movie should make you feel. And so that's it for that. I got two more here. Uh, two more. Um, I might intercut this with a story. So hold on. Um, because if it is a story, it's going to come right here. So I thought I was going to start with two creepy pasta stories. Just to get us all in the mood and... The best part, royalty-free. So, uh, this first one is very spooky. Actually, I just read it, and uh, it's called A Story to Scare My Son. It's on r slash no sleep on Reddit, where I found this creepypasta. And it is uh, from the user Oven Friend, one word. So, here we go. Son... We need to have a chat about internet safety. I slowly crumpled down onto the floor next to him. His laptop was open, and he was playing Minecraft on a public server. His eyes were locked into the action. Comments scrolled down the side of the screen in a chat box. Son, can you stop your game for a minute? He exited the world, closed the laptop, and looked up at me. Dad, is this going to be another cheesy, scary story? What? I faked hurt feelings for a second, and then grinned at him. I thought you liked my cautionary tales. He grew up listening to my tales, my stories about children who encountered witches, ghosts, werewolves, and trolls. Like many generations of parents, I use scary stories to reinforce morals and teach lessons about safety. Single dads like me should use all the parenting tools at their disposal. He scrunched his face a little. They were fine when I was six, but now that I'm getting older, I don't think they scare me anymore. They kind of seem silly. If you're going to tell a story about the internet, can you make it really, really scary? I squinted at him. He folded his arms. Dad, I'm ten. I can handle it. Hmm. Okay, I'll try. I began. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Colby. His expression indicated that he wasn't impressed with the terror of the introduction. 
He sighed deeply and settled in for one of Dad's cheesy stories. So I continued. Colby went online and joined several children's websites. After a while, he started talking to other kids in-game and on the message boards. He made friends with another 10-year-old boy named Helper23. They liked the same video games and shows. They laughed at each other's jokes. They explored new games together. After several months of friendship, Colby gave Helper23 six diamonds in a game where they were playing. This was a very generous gift. Colby's birthday was coming, was coming up, and Helper23 wanted to send him a cool present in real life. Colby figured it wouldn't hurt to give Helper23 his home address, as long as he promised not to tell it to any strangers or grown-ups. Helper23 swore he wouldn't tell anyone else, not even his own parents, and set about mailing the package. I paused the story and asked my son, Do you think this was a good idea? No, he said, shaking his head vigorously. In spite of himself, he was really getting into the story. Well, neither did Colby. Colby felt guilty about giving away his home address, and his guilt began to grow and grow. By the time he put on his pajamas the next night, his guilt and fear were larger than anything else in his life. He resolved to admit the truth to his parents. The punishment would be steep. It was worth to have a clear conscience. He squirmed into his bed as he waited for his parents to tuck him in. My son knew the scary part was coming up. In spite of his tough talk, he leaned forward, wide-eyed. I spoke quietly and deliberately. He heard all of the noises in the house. The washing machine bounced around in the laundry room. Branches scraped against the brick outside his room. His baby brother cooed in the nursery, and there were some other noises he couldn't quite pinpoint. Finally, his dad's footsteps echoed down the hall. Hey, Dad, he called out nervously. I have something to tell you. His dad stuck his head in the doorway at a weird angle. In the darkness, his mouth didn't even seem to move, and the eyes were all wrong. Yes, son? The voice was way off, too. Are you okay, Dad? the boy asked. Uh-huh, sung the father in this strangely affected voice. Colby pulled his covers up defensively. Um, is Mom around? Here I am, Mom's head popped into the doorway below Dad's. Her voice was an unnatural falsetto. Were you about to tell us that you gave our home address to Helper 23? You shouldn't have done that. We told you to never give out our personal address any information on the internet. She continued, He wasn't really a kid. He just pretended to be one. Do you know what he did? He came to our house, broke in, and murdered both of us, just so he could spend more time with you. A fat man in a wet jacket emerged into the child's doorway, holding the two severed heads. Colby shrieked and gasped as the man dropped the heads on the ground, unsheathed his knife, and moved into the, be the room to work on the boy. My son screamed too. He twisted his hands defensively over his face, but we were just getting started with the story. After several hours, the boy was almost dead, and his screams had become whimpers. The killer noticed the wailing of a baby in another room and removed his knife from Colby. This was a special treat. He had never murdered a baby before and was excited about the prospect. Helper 23 left Colby to die and followed the cries to the house like a homing beacon. In the nursery, he walked to the crib, picked the baby up, and held it in his arms. He moved towards the changing table to get a better look, but as he held the baby, the crying died down. The baby looked up and smiled. 
Helper 23 had never held a baby, but he gently bounced it in his arms like a pro. He wiped his bloody hands on the blanket so he could stroke the baby's cheek. Hey there, sweet little guy. The beautiful rage of sadism melted into the, the something warmer and softer. He walked out of the nursery, took the baby home, named him William, and raised him as his very own. After I finished the story, my son was visibly shaken. Between ragged, staggered breaths, he stammered. But Dad, my name's William. I gave him a classic dad wink and tussled his hair. Of course it is, son. William ran up the stairs to his bedroom in a fury of sobs. But deep down, I think he liked the story. Okay, so this is another one of the creepy pastas. It is called If you find a book called The Tale of Roly Poly, don't open it, don't read it. Um so yeah, this is like uh first time that I've read this, so you're just going to have to join me on this one. So I hope it uh suits everybody's needs. Here we go. The book doesn't look particularly creepy. There are no ominous images on the cover, no words of foreboding. There's only a plain red canvas with gold letters that read, The Tale of Roly-Poly. I never saw the book until Ginny pulled it from her collection on the shelf. It may have been left by the previous owners. We'd only moved to this neighborhood a month ago. Ginny was already snuggled under the covers when I opened the book. At six, she started to read and never needed to be coaxed to bed if I promised her a story. Well, almost never. Princesses were her new obsession, and we'd covered most of the classics like Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella. The tale of Roly-Poly was a departure from the usual set list. Are you sure you want this one, Pumpkin? Ginny yawned. Yes, Daddy. I shrugged and began to read. There were two boys, two children like you. One was called Jack, the other was Hugh. The boys sat in their room, for there was nothing to do. They were so bored, a common bugaboo. The book contained a simple illustration of two boys in a bedroom decorated with baseball-themed wallpaper. They thought and they thought, they huffed and they puffed, until Hugh said, Phew, enough is enough. Let's play a game, we'll upend this loose end. I know, said Jack, I'll call on my friend. I groaned internally and hoped that Ginny would fall asleep soon. This wasn't exactly Dr. Zeus. Jack took the book and said the words written down, Come out, come out, you silly old clown. With a wish and a whoosh, and fizzle and pop, Roly-Poly arrived with a great big plop. There was an enormous figure that dwarfed the two boys next to him. 
The man was dressed as a traditional pantomime clown, complete with a rough, white makeup and garish red lips. How do, said the clown, I've come to play. You, said Hugh. Oh dear, holy moly. Don't be scared, said Jack. It's just roly-poly. What shall we do, said Hugh, all aflutter, as he pulled out his toys from the bedroom clutter. There were many games of various names, all wires and megawatts, a singing machine, a trampoline. There were two even robots. Oh no, said the clown. This will not do. Let's play some real games. Ditch this techno voodoo. Come with me and you'll see. My home is quite grand. You'll have all that you need in topsy-turvy land. The two boys nodded, their hearts filled with glee. They took the clown's hand and counted three Mississippi. Hugh and Jack crossed their eyes as the world twirled and twirled. They whooped with joy as the new land was unfurled. The clown's home was quite splendid, full of candles and treats. The fun never ended. No parents, no chores, no bedtime or rules. No horrible homework from boring old schools. The boys played and played, all three were glad, until one fateful day, the clown became sad. What's wrong, roly-poly? Is there something we can do? The boys asked and asked, but their worries still grew. Oh dear, the clown mumbled, my apologies most humbled. I'm just very hungry, as his large tummy rumbled. Would you like chocolate or chips or gooey cream cake? We have hot dogs and ice cream and every milkshake. But the clown shook his head, for his belly did ache. Then he grabbed little Hugh. A fine meal you will make. My stomach flipped when I saw the contents of the next page. I shut the book immediately. Um, let's call it a night, princess. Ginny tried to protest, but her eyelids were heavy with sleep. What happened to the boy, daddy? I'll, uh, I'll tell you tomorrow. I kissed Jenny on the forehead and turned out the light. I went downstairs and poured a large glass of wine before reopening the book. The page that I closed contained an illustration of a gruesome scene. The clown held one of the boys above his head and had bitten into the child's left side. His teeth tore away chunks of pink flesh as blood trickled down his ruby-stained lips. The boy's eyes were shut, his tear-streaked face frozen in agonized expression. Spurred on by morbid curiosity, I continued to read. Roly-Poly grabbed the boy and held him aloft. He took a big bite, sweet hue, so soft. He gnashed and he gnawed, he chewed and he slurped. But when nothing was left, the clown loudly burped. He looked around. There was no Jack to be found. The boy had run. The chase had begun. Jack ducked and he darted. He ran and he ran. Roly-Poly just chuckled. Come back here, young man. This place is large indeed. It does sprawl. But there is no way out. No way at all. The clown was quite right, for try as he might, Jack rushed to escape, but there was no exit in sight. The boy grew tired, his breath became weary. Roly-poly caught up, sounding quite cheery. You're tougher than most, you I will cook. And he hung the boy up on an old meat hook. The child screamed and he shouted, you great fat liar. The clown licked his lips as he stoked the big fire. I turned to the last page. The boy dangled from a hook over the gaping fire pit. Parts of his skin were cracked and blackened as the flames licked his small frame. The clown prince prodded the fire with a stick in one hand. The other hand waved to the reader as a maniacal smile revealed two rows of long, sharp teeth. The clown was so happy, the sweetmeat was a treat. Hail to the chef. Bon appetit. I woke up early in the morning and took the paper lying on the doorstep. It was Sunday, but I never liked to sleep in. 
I put on a pot of coffee and glanced at the headline on the countertop. My heart froze. Fifth anniversary of local boys' disappearance. Hundreds have taken part in a remembrance rally to mark the fifth anniversary of disappearance of brothers Hugh and Jack Healy. The brothers aged eight and six were abducted from their home on January 7, 2012. Police have issued a fresh appeal for information this weekend. Story continued on page three. I ran outside and removed the cover of the trash can. Perhaps whoever wrote the book knew something about the boy's disappearance. At the very best, I needed to report the sick material to the police. My stomach lurched as I regarded the contents of the can. The book was gone. A primal panic rose in my chest as I dashed upstairs to Ginny's bedroom. A single piece of paper lay atop the crumpled sheets of her empty bed. Ginny picked a book, a true tale to excite. But Dad did not like it. He thought it was trite. He stopped the story at the moment of glory. Oh no, not for you. This part is unfit. The clown did not like that. Not one little bit. So Roly-Poly told Jenny, who was ever so skinny, Let's have some fun. We'll show that old ninny. And now Jenny plays in the land topsy-turvy, full of sugar and spice and all things that are girly. While the princesses hold court in dresses of satin, the clown simply smiles. She'll do. She'll fatten. It's been one week since Jenny went missing. I've given the page to the cops, but they're as baffled as I am. Every hellish verse of that awful book is seared into my skull. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm typing this as both an appeal and a warning. If you find this book, don't open it. Don't read it. Call the police. A child's life may depend on it. You cannot die. You can never die. Next, I got retro. Uh, for retro, I wanted to do like stuff that's like kind of cool, like vintage Technicolor, where it's just starting. But I didn't really have all that many, so and there's really not that much to put on here. So House of Wax, just watched this the other night. Vincent Price, the amazing Vincent Price. Um, it was super good. Um, the girlfriend, I, she's slowly getting into them because like she's forced to watch them. She's not big on old movies, um, and she loved this movie. She still makes jokes about it and talks about it. It was it was really good. This is like the f first real House of Wax. Um, there was like the the Wax Museum or something like that from the 30s, which I haven't seen, but I've heard good things about. And then there's like the shitty Paris Hilton one. This is like the OG. This is the real one. Um, Vincent Price, ever creepy, and the story's good. It's fast paced. It's uh, it's 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 worth a watch. Um, if you're into that. Um, but even better is the Blob. Um. 
it's got a snappy kind of uh, theme song. It's really, uh, it sticks with you. And uh, it's simple. And uh, even though the teenagers are 30 again, it's uh, it's cool. It'll stick with you. It's one of those ones you only have to watch once. So if, you, if this is the Halloween you want to watch it or next year or the year after that, you'll have to see it once. It's uh, really, really good. Um, and uh, yeah, if you are a movie collecting buff, as I brought up before, this one is on uh, Criterion and it's a stellar release. There's lots of good stuff on there. Uh, I got two more and they're black and white. So blah, I know, but Beast of 20,000 Fathoms. This is a big monster flick. Uh, it predates uh, Godzilla, and uh, it's Harryhausen. So if any of you guys know, Ray Harryhausen is like the master of stop motion. Uh, it is just a, it is a, uh, a solid film. Like the blob, you only got to see it once, and you, you won't forget it. So you don't got to watch this every year, but it's, uh, it's something cool to check out. Basically, same kind of thing if you're familiar with Godzilla giant beast is frozen in time like underneath ice or rock and then through man's meddling with nuclear energy it wakes this thing up and has to uh, pay the price um it's just solid you believe that this is real like i mean there's a couple things obviously and your human brain will tell you no this isn't real but it is high quality stop motion and it's got all that 50 stuff like people pointing the sky and screaming and you know uh all the radio towers like going off like there's a monster there's a monster it's perfect it's perfect. I don't have to go on it anymore. There's nothing I can really talk about. It's a monster movie, so you know how it's going to end, and you know how it's going to start. And I'm going to finish this off with uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I remember watching this for the first time. Uh, and this is the 50s one. There's a 70s remake, also really good, but like I didn't want to really include it with my retro picks here. Both are great. Um, don't watch the 2000s one. Garbage. Um, I mean, you can. I don't dictate your life, but I wouldn't. This first one, though, is black and white. And kind of the, the the remake, the 70s one, is kind of like a sequel. Well, I don't know. That's a whole other sidebar I could do. But check this one out. Um, it's definitely like red as like um, the invasion of communism. But I kind of feel like that's like a, a spin like people put on after it came out. Really good. And um, fast paced. Uh, solid acting. Great story. It's a story that we all know now, more or less. Um and it boils down to the same thing we keep getting back to is who can you trust when you can't trust anybody? Who do you trust? And you turn on each other. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't stop watching it. I sat in like a dark room on a bigger screen for class and I was just glued to it. I barely even wrote notes. I was just so into it. Um, I only have four on these lists. I wouldn't, I wouldn't not recommend watching them, but if you're going to watch any of these, um, Body Snatchers is probably like the number one, then maybe House of Wax. Um, and then to finish off all of these goddamn lists, um, like I love these, but I'm even starting to get tired. So I can't even imagine what you guys are thinking. Listen to this. Um, these are kind of all over the place. Um, these are like movies that I know a lot of people have seen or have heard about or know. Um, but I feel like they're all solid and haunting and possession like exorcist kind of movies they are a dime a dozen there are a shit ton of them and um a lot of people know what they are slash don't want anything to do with them because it's like it's done right like like all the paranormal activity movies all like the exorcists of this or the possession of that or like i don't know the haunting of this 
but I have a couple good ones on here, uh, new and old and kind of in between. I always like to think like the 2000s are like, yeah, it's current, but it's like already like 20 years old. So, um, okay. So speaking of it's 2000s, the one I just watched, um, last year is the others. Um, this is the Nicole Kidman, um, feature. Um, it's kind of like the innocence. If you like old movies, um, without giving anything away, like don't look up the innocence. If you don't know what it is, um, solid film. I was like watching the way I think I described it when I watched it is like, um, if Guillermo del Toro and early M night Shyamalan, like had a brain baby and that's what it was. It was very, um, um, like aesthetically pleasing to watch and the editing and the cinematography were all very crisp and very, um, like, I don't really like know exactly how to describe it without like repeating myself, but it, it very much put you in the mood and it was very, um, it like brought you into the story and you felt for every one of these characters and like the way they edited it and shot it. You just, you were like with them the entire time and you buy into the story I put it on to like go to sleep. I'm pretty sure as, as these things often happen and uh, I couldn't stop watching it. I think I watched it at, like two in the morning and the twist at the end, you start to kind of unravel a little bit before, but it's still like, Oh God damn. And you're like, Oh, and I remember thinking about this movie for like days after it's not that anybody is, um, possessed. This is definitely more of a ghost movie. Um, check that out. I think it's on Netflix. Um, if it's not, it will probably be on Amazon prime. Um, but it's, it shouldn't be hard to find. It's a newer movie. I'm sure you get it like PlayStation store, iTunes, Amazon, you'll find it. Uh, the next one would be, uh, and I'm just going to blast through these. I've got uh, quite a few for these, the haunting. This is like a sixties black and white picture. Um, basically all these people go into this haunted house to determine if it's haunted or why it's haunted. And it, it is, it is like one of the first like creepy ghost movies and it still holds up. Like there's a couple scenes where you're like, Oh no. Like without like giving anything away, it's just like, Oh, like you were holding my hand all night and that's why I slept. And it's like, I wasn't in your room. And you're like, good God. You know, one of those it's, that's a good one. Um, the changeling, this is from the eighties is a Canadian film. Whoop, whoop. Um, it's basically, I, I, I watched this once, once or twice a couple years ago this guy moves into this house with his family and basically there used to be like a very rich family that lived there and one by one they died and they were keeping a terrible secret and now this guy's got to pay the price for it but he doesn't stop there he unravels the story so that he can set this whatever it is that's like torturing him free and uh it's just great was it george c scott the guy who plays Pat. Great. Um, this one is not super good. I'm not going to lie, but I put it on this list because I thought it was kind of neat. It is called The Possession. It's from the 2000s also. It might even be like from the 2010s. Um, but I thought this was kind of cool because jumping back to what I talked to way near the beginning of this podcast, it has a like a Hebrew, like a Judaism like stance on the possession. So the person who's possessed is trying to be exercised by a rabbi. And I thought this was super neat when I was watching it. Cause it's always just like, if you believe in like God and you're Catholic, you can be saved. But like, what if you're Protestant? What if you're, you know, like Muslim or, or Judaism, like, or I guess not Judaism, you're Jewish. 
what happens. And this movie's like, this is what happens. Problem solved. And yeah, it's kind of cool. So if you want something that's a little different, that's uh, and you love those possession movies, that's one to watch. Um, and I got four more. I'm just going to blast through them. So, The Taking of Deborah Logan. This is a, uh, a mother. Uh, so basically his daughter's watching her mother deteriorate, but the mom's doing some crazy weird shit. And she's getting worse and worse. And the daughter's like, what the hell's happening? And are you ever in for a treat? I put this on because I thought, eh, I'm running out of stuff to watch. And it was a treat. It was so fun to watch. Um, because it, the mom isn't getting old quick. She's dealing with something else. And you'll figure that out when you give that a watch. Um, these ones are new. Um, if you haven't seen them, I'm not even going to talk about what they are. If you haven't seen them, you can probably still catch them in like an art house uh, theater or you can watch them on Netflix, or you'll catch the series still rolling out. Um, Hereditary just came out. It's probably going to get some Oscar buzz. Just watched that with a girlfriend. Um, I know uh, some friends of ours watched it, and uh, they were like, yeah, it wasn't really my thing. It was a little slow. And that's kind of the thing. It is a little slow. But if you're in for a good payoff, and you like some like scares that are going to stay with you, check this one out. Um, because it goes not just off the rails, but you're like, whoa, like it goes in a completely different area than you thought. And I loved it because of it. Um, it is definitely, uh, it, mm, it's kind of more of a possession movie than a ghost movie. Uh, and then Veronica, if you're into some foreign films, I haven't really put a lot on here because I don't really know what the audience is yet. I love foreign films, but that's neither here nor there. It's a Spanish film. It's actually Spanish. I think it's Spanish. I don't think it's, like Mexican or anything like that. I think it is from Spain. Um, it was like dubbed the scariest movie this year. It's not, but it was good. It was hella good. It was very good. Um, and it's worth your, it's worth a watch. It's, uh, it's kind of like this, a similar pace to like any like kind of horror movie that you would watch now. Like it follows the same points and the same like narrative style, but it was uh, very family focused and um, the stuff that starts happening to Veronica uh, is like crazy, um, especially near the end. And uh, you kind of see the end, but it goes a little different than what you thought. And I love movies that do that. They like avoid your expectations. Um, so check that one out. It's on Netflix and stuff. Uh, you could easily find this one. And then if you haven't seen the Conjuring movies, especially the first Conjuring, go watch the Conjuring. That's got to be a staple. I was going to probably put that on the essential viewing. Go watch the Conjuring. The second one's good. You're going to watch the other ones, but watch the Conjuring. Um, so yeah, that's it for my list. Um, so I'm either going to start reading my short story or I'm going to start reading all of them. But thank you for listening. And here are some stories slash a story, 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 story. So this is going to be the final story. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. It is the the monkey's paw by W.W. Jacobs. So uh, here we go. Without, the night was cold and wet, but in the small parlor of Laburnum Villa, the blinds were drawn and the fire burned brightly. 
father and son were at chess. The former, who possessed ideas about the game involving radical changes, putting his king into such sharp and unnecessary perils that that it even provoked comment from the white-haired old lady knitting placidly by the fire. "'Hark at the wind,' said Mr. White, who, having seen a fatal mistake after it was too late, was amiably desirous of preventing his son from seeing it. "'I'm listening,' said the latter, grimly surveying the board as he stretched out his hand. "'Check!' "'I should hardly think that he'd come tonight,' said his father, with his hand poised over the board. "'Mate,' replied the son." That's the worst of living so far out, bawled Mr. White, with sudden and unlooked-for violence. All of the beastly, slushy, out-of-the-way places to live in, this is the worst. Pathway's a bog and the road's a torrent. I don't know what people are thinking about. I suppose, because only two houses on the road are let, they think it doesn't matter. Never mind, dear, said his wife soothingly. Perhaps you'll win the next one. Mr. White looked up sharply just in time to intercept a knowing glance between mother and son. The words died away on his lips, and he hid a guilty grin in his thin gray beard. There he is, said Herbert White, as the gate banged too loudly and heavy footsteps came forward towards the door. The old man rose with hospitable haste, and opening the door was heard condoling with the new arrival. The new arrival also condoled with himself, so that Mrs. White said, Tut, tut and coughed gently as her husband entered the room. Followed by a tall, burly man, beady of eye and rubicund of visage. Sergeant Major Morris, he said, introducing himself. The Sergeant Major shook hands, and taking the pre-offered seat by the fire, watched contentedly while his host got at whiskey and tumblers and stood a small copper kettle on the fire. At the third glass, his eyes got brighter and he began to talk the little family circle regarding with eager interest this visitor from distant parts, as he squared his broad shoulders in the chair and spoke of strange scenes and doughty deeds, of wars and plagues and strange peoples. Twenty-one years of it,' said Mr. White, nodding at his wife and son. When he went away, he was a slip of a youth in the warehouse. Now look at him. "'He don't look to have taken much harm,' said Mrs. White politely. "'I'd like to go to India myself,' said the old man just to look round a bit, you know. Better where you are, said the sergeant major, shaking his head. He put down the empty glass and, sighing softly, shook it again. I should like to see the those old temples and fakirs and jugglers, said the old man. What was that you started telling me about the other day, about a monkey's paw or something, Morris? Nothing, said the soldier hastily. Leastways, nothing worth hearing. Monkey's paw, said Mrs. White curiously. "'Well, it's just a bit of what you might call magic, perhaps,' said the sergeant major offhandedly. His three listeners leaned forward eagerly. The visitors absent-mindedly put his empty glass to his lip, and then set it down again. His host filled it for him. "'To look at,' said the sergeant major, fumbling in his pocket. "'It's just an ordinary little paw, dried to a mummy.' He took something out of his pocket and pre-offered it. But Mrs. White drew back with a grimace but her son, taking it, examined it curiously. "'What is there special about it?' inquired Mr. White, as he took it from his son, and having examined it, placed it on the table. "'It had a spell put on it by an old fakir,' said the sergeant major, "'a very holy man. He wanted to show that fate ruled people's lives, and that those who interfered with it did so to their own sorrow. He's put a spell on it so that three separate men could each have three wishes from it. 
His manner was so impressive that his hearers were conscious that their light laughter jarred somewhat. Well, why don't you have three, sir? said Herbert White cleverly. The soldier regarded him in the way that middle age is wont to regard presumptuous youth. I have, he said quietly, with his blotchy face whitened. And did you really have the three wishes granted? asked Mrs. White. I did, said the sergeant major, and his glass tapped against his strong teeth. And has anybody else wished? inquired the old lady. The first man had his three wishes, yes, was the reply. I don't know what the first two were, but the third was for death. That's how I got the paw. His tones were so grave that a hush fell upon the group. If you've had your three wishes, it's no good to you now, then, Morris, said the old man at last. What do you keep it for? The soldier shook his head. Fancy, I suppose, he said slowly. If you could have another three wishes, said the old man, eyeing him keenly, would you have them? I don't know, said the other. I, I don't know. He took the paw, and dangling it between his front finger and thumb, suddenly threw it up upon the fire. White, with a slight cry, stooped down and snatched it off. Better let it burn, said the soldier solemnly. You don't want it, Morris, said the old man. Then give it to me. I won't, said his friend doggedly. I threw it on the fire. If you keep it, don't blame me for what happens. Pitch it on the fire again like a sensible man. The other shook his head and examined his new possession closely. How do you, how do you do it? He inquired. Hold it up with your right hand and wish aloud, said the sergeant major. But I warn you of the consequences. Sounds like the Arabian Nights, said Mrs. White, as she rose and began to set the supper. Don't you think you might wish for four pairs of hands for me? Her husband drew the talisman from his pocket, and then all three burst into laughter as the sergeant major, with a look of alarm on his face, caught him by the arm. If you must wish, he said gruffly, wish for something sensible. Mr. White dropped it back into his pocket, and placing chairs, motioned his friend to the table. In the business of, of supper, the talisman was partly forgotten, and afterward the three sat listening in an enthralled fashion to a second installment of the soldiers' adventures in India. If the tale about the monkey paw is not more truthful than those he has been telling us, said Herbert, as the door closed behind their guests, just in time for him to catch the last train, we shan't make much of it. Did you give him anything for it, father? inquired Mrs. White, regarding her husband closely. A trifle, said he, coloring slightly. He didn't want it, but I made him take it, and he pressed me again to throw it away. Likely, said Herbert, with pretended horror, why we're going to be rich, famous, and happy. Wish to be an emperor, father, to begin with, then you can't be henpecked. He darted around the table, pursued by the malign Mrs. White, armed with the antimacassar. Mr. White took the paw from his pocket and eyed it dubiously. I don't know what to wish for, and that's a fact, he said slowly. It seems to me I've got all I want. If you only cleared the house, you'd be quite happy, wouldn't you? said Herbert, with his hand on his shoulder. Well, wish for two hundred pounds, then that'll just do it. His father smiled shamefacedly at his own credulity, held up by the talisman and his, as his son, with a solemn face somewhat marred by a wink at his mother, sat down at the piano and struck a few impressive chords. I wish for two hundred pounds, said the old man distinctively. A fine crash from the piano greeted the words, interrupted by a shuddering cry from the old man. His wife and son ran towards him. It moved, he cried, with a glance of disgust at the object, as it lay on the floor. As I wish, it twisted in my hands like a snake. Well, I don't see the money, said his son, as he picked it up and placed it on the table. 
I bet I never shall. It must have been your fancy, father, said his wife, regarding him anxiously. He shook his head. Never mind, though. Uh, there's no harm done, but it gave me a shock all the same. They sat down by the fire again while the two men finished their pipes. Outside, the wind was higher than ever, and the old man stared nervously at the sound of a door banging upstairs. A silence unusual and depressing settled upon all three, which lasted until the old couple rose to retire for the night. I expect you'll find the cash tied up in a big bag in the middle of your bed, said Herbert as he bade them good night, and something horrible squatting up on top of the wardrobe, watching you as you pocket your ill-gotten gains. He sat alone in the darkness, gazing at the dying fire, and seeing faces in it. The last face was so horrible and so simian that he gazed at it in amazement. It got so vivid that with a little uneasy laugh he felt on the table for a glass containing a little water to throw over it. His hand grasped the monkey's paw, and with a little shiver he wiped his hand on his coat and went up to bed. In the brightness of the wintry sun next morning, as it streamed over the breakfast table, Herbert laughed at his fears. There was an air of prosaic wholesomeness about the room which it had lacked on the previous night and the dirty, shriveled little paw was pitched on the sideboard with carelessness which betokened it no great belief in its virtues. "'I suppose all old soldiers are the same,' said Mrs. White. "'The idea of our listening to such nonsense. "'How could wishes be granted in these days? "'And if they could, how could two hundred pounds hurt you, father?' "'Might drop on his head from the sky,' said Frivolous Herbert. "'Morris said the things happen so naturally,' said father.' That you might, if you so wished, attribute it to coincidence. Well, don't break into the money before I come back, said Herbert, as he rose from the table. I'm afraid it'll turn you into a mean, avaricious man, and we shall have to disown you. His mother laughed, and following him to the door, watched him down the road, and returning to the breakfast table, was very happy at the expense of her husband's credulity, all of which did not prevent her from scurrying to the door as the po at the postman's knock, nor prevent her from referring somewhat shortly to retired Sergeant Major's abibulous habits when she found that the post brought her a tailor's bill. Herbert will have some more of his funny remarks, I expect, when he comes home, said she, as they sat at dinner. I dare say, said Mr. White, pouring himself out some beer, but all for that, the thing moved it in my hand, that I'll swear to. You thought it did, said the old lady soothingly. I say it did, replied the other. There was no thought about it. I had just... What's the matter? His wife made no reply. She was watching the mysterious movements of a man outside, who, peering in an undecided fashion at the house, appeared to be trying to make up his mind to enter. In mental connection with the two hundred pounds, she noticed the stranger was well-dressed and wore a silk hat of glossy newness. Three times he paused at the gate, and then walked on again, the fourth time he stood with his hand upon it, and then with sudden resolution flung it open and walked up the path. Mrs. White at the same moment placed her hands behind her, and hurriedly unfastening the strings of her apron, put the useful article of appeal beneath the cushion of her chair. She brought the stranger, who seemed ill at ease, into the room. He gazed at her uh, furtively, and listened in and listened in a preoccupied fashion as the old lady apologized for the appearance of the room, and for her husband's coat, a garment which he usually reserved for the garden. She then waited as patiently as her sex would permit for him to broach his business, but he was at first strangely silent. I, uh, 
was asked to call, he said at last, and stooped and picked a piece of cotton from his trousers. I come from Ma and Megan's. The old lady started. Is anything the matter? She asked breathlessly. Has anything happened to Herbert? What is it? What is it? Her husband interposed. There, there, mother, he said hastily. Sit down and don't jump to conclusions. You've not brought bad news, I'm sure, sir, as he eyed the other wistfully. I'm sorry, began the visitor. Is he hurt? demanded the mother. The visitor bowed in assent. Badly hurt, he said quietly, but he is not in any pain. Oh, thank God, said the old woman, clasping her hands. Thank God for that. Thank... She broke off silently as the sinister meaning of the assurance dawned upon her, and she sought the awful confirmation of her fears in the other's averted face. She caught her breath, and turning to her slower-witted husband, laid her trembling old hand upon his. There was a long silence. He was caught in the machinery, said the visitor at length in a low voice. Caught in the machinery, repeated Mr. White, in a dazed fashion. Yes. He sat staring blankly out at, a, at the window, and taking his wife's hand between his own, pressed it as he had been wont to do in their old courting days nearly forty years ago. He was the only one left to us, he said, turning gently to the visitor. It is hard. The other coughed, and rising, walked slowly to the window. The firm wished me to convey their sincere sympathy with you and your great loss, he said, without looking round. I beg that you will understand that I am only the servant and merely obeying orders. But there was no reply. The old woman's face was white, her eyes staring, and her breath inaudible. On the husband's face was a look such as his friend, the sergeant, might have carried into his first action. I was to say that Ma and Megan's disclaim all responsibility, continued the other. They admit no liability at all, but, in consideration of your son's services, they wish to present you with a certain sum of compensation. Mr. White dropped his, his wife's hand, and rising to his feet, gazed with a look of horror at his visitor. His dry lips shaped the words, How much? Two hundred pounds, was the answer. Unconscious of his wife's shriek, the old man smiled faintly, put out his hands like a, like a sightless man, and dropped a senseless heap to the floor. In the huge new cemetery, some two miles distant, the old people buried the dead and came back to a house steeped in shadow and silence. It was all over so quickly that at first they could hardly realize it and remained in a state of expectation as though of something else to happen, something else which was to lighten the load, too heavy for old hearts to bear. But the days passed and expectation gave place to resignation, the hopeless resignation of old, sometimes miscalled, apathy. Sometimes they hardly exchanged a word, for now they had nothing to talk about, and in their days were long to weariness. It was about a week after that the old man, waking suddenly in the night, stretched out his hand and found himself alone. The room was in darkness, and the sound of subdued weeping came from the window. He raised himself in bed and listened. Come back, he said tenderly. You will be cold. It is colder for my son, said the old woman, and wept afresh. The sound of her sobs died away on his ears. The bed was warm, and his eyes heavy with sleep. He dozed fitfully, and then slept until a sudden wild cry from his wife awoke him with a start. The paw, she cried wildly, the monkey's paw. He started up in alarm. Where? Where is it? What's the matter? She came stumbling across the room towards him. I want it, she said quietly. You've not destroyed it? It's in the parlor on the bracket, he replied marveling. Why? 
She cried and laughed together, and bending over, kissed his cheek. I only just thought of it, she said hysterically. Why didn't I think of it before? Why didn't you think of it? Think of what, he questioned. The other two wishes, she replied rapidly. We've only had one. Was that not enough, he demanded fiercely. No, she cried triumphantly. We'll have one more. Go down and get it quickly, and we'll wish our boy alive again. The man sat up in bed and flung the bedclothes from his quaking limbs. Good God, you are mad, he cried aghast. Get it, she panted. Get it quickly and wish. Oh, my boy, my boy. Her husband struck a match and lit the candle. Get back to bed, he said unsteadily. You don't know what you're saying. We had the first wish granted, said the old woman feverishly. Why not the second? A coincidence, stammered the old man. Go and I'll get it and wish, cried the old woman, quivering with excitement. The old man turned and regarded her, and his voice shook. He has been dead ten days, and besides, he... I would not tell you else, but I could only recognize him by this clothing. If he was too terrible for you to see then, how now? Bring him back, cried the old woman, and dragged him towards the door. Do you think I fear the child I have nursed? He went down into the darkness and felt his way to the parlor, and then to the mantelpiece. The talisman was in its place, and a horrible fear that the unspoken wish might bring had his mutilated son before him ere he could escape from his room seized upon him, and he caught his breath as he found that he had lost the direction of the door. His brow cold with sweat, he felt his way around the table and groped along the wall until he found himself in the small passage with the unwholesome thing in his hand. Even his wife's face seemed to change as he entered the room. It was white and expectant, and to his fears seemed to have an unnatural look upon it. He was afraid of her. Wish, she cried in a strong voice. It is foolish and wicked, he faltered. Wish, repeated his wife. He raised his hand. I wish my son alive again. The talisman fell to the floor, and he regarded it fearfully. Then he sank trembling into a chair as the old woman, with burning eyes, walked to the window, and raised the blind. He sat until he was chilled with the cold, glancing occasionally at the figure of an old woman peering through the window. The candle end, which had burnt below the rim of the china's candlestick, was throwing pulsating shadows on the ceiling and walls, until, with a flicker larger than the rest, it expired. The old man, with an unspeakable sense of relief at the failure of the talisman, crept back into his bed, and a minute or two afterward the old woman came silently and apathetically beside him. Neither spoke, but both lay silently listening to the ticking of the clock. A stair creaked, and a squeaky mouse scurried noisily through the wall. The darkness was oppressive, and after lying for some time, screwing up his courage, the husband took the box of matches, and striking one, went downstairs for a candle. At the foot of the stairs the match went out, and he paused to strike another, and at that same moment a knock, so quiet and stealthy as to be scarcely audible, sounded on the front door. The matches fell from his hand. He stood motionless, his breath suspended until the knock was repeated. Then he turned and fled swiftly back to his room and closed the door behind him. A third knock sounded through the house. What's that? cried the old woman, staring up. A rat, said the old man in shaking tones. A rat. It passed me on the stairs. His wife sat up in bed listening. An, a loud knock resounded through the house. It's Herbert, she screamed. It's Herbert. She ran to the door, but her husband was before her, and catching her by the arm, held her tightly. What are you going to do, he whispered hoarsely. 
It's my boy, it's Herbert, she cried, struggling mechanically. I forgot it was two miles away. What are you holding me for? Let go, I must open the door. For God's sake, don't let it in, cried the old man, trembling. You're afraid of your own son, she cried, struggling. Let me go, I'm coming. Herbert, I'm coming. There was another knock, and another. The old woman, with a sudden wrench, broke free and ran from the room. Her husband followed to the landing and called after her, appealing as she hurried downstairs. He heard the chain rattle back and the bottom bolt drawn slowly and stiffly from the socket. The old woman's voice strained and panting. The bolt, she cried loudly, come down, I can't reach it. But her husband was on his hands and knees, groping wildly on the floor and searched for the paw. If he could only find it before the thing outside got in. A perfect fusillade of knocks reverberated through the house and he heard the scraping of a chair as his wife put it down on the passage against the door. He heard the creaking of the bolt as it came slowly back, and at the same moment he found the monkey's paw, and frantically breathed his third and last wish. The knocking ceased suddenly. Although the echoes of it were still in the house, he heard the chair drawn back and the door opened. A cold wind rushed up the staircase, and a long, loud wail of disappointment and misery from his wife gave him courage to run down to her side and then to the gate beyond. The street lamp flickering opposite shone on a quiet, deserted road. The end. So yeah, Monkey's Paw. Hard story to read. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, so let me just close out quick. Um with some unsponsored sponsors. Uh, again, I don't have any actual real sponsors. I doubt I will. If I do, I'll be forever grateful. But at this point, with only two episodes, I think it's safe to say I'm not getting any time soon. So let me just give you some stuff to check out. Uh, make sure, if you listen to podcasts, which I'm assuming you do, that you check out Monster Party Podcast. These guys are my favorite. They are four amazing guys who talk about some of the same stuff I do. Horror, sci-fi, um fantasy um and they're just great um they are pros they know exactly what they're talking about they're in the business and uh just all all the stuff that you can think about anything from collecting to stuff they grew up with to what they look forward to and they have an assortment of great great guests i also want to um give a shout out to um the podcast lore uh definitely check that out i know i recommend it to check out the tv show but the podcast is great. It's um, it's like they're all. I think they're about like ten minute episodes. They, I think some of the newer ones are like twenty twenty five minutes, and they're all like real stories, like steeped in folklore and actual like history. And it's just, especially like the first season, like I guess of his podcast, I guess first year that he does it, very easy to listen to, um, and super insightful. Uh, check those out. And also I want to give a quick, uh, mention to Monster Kid Radio. Um, he focuses more on, um, older films, but he has a pretty good assortment of guests as well. And, uh, yeah, he goes pretty in depth and he plays like a lot of like cool, like, uh, monster surf rock and has, um, plays like a lot of like cool old trailers and commercials for like movies and toys and products. Very cool. Check him out. He's on all these people are on iTunes or wherever you listen to your uh, podcast. So give them a listen and real quick uh, on Instagram, check out Sveta Haas. I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'll just spell it out for you real quick. S V E T A underscore H A S. Um, 
this artist does a really cool pop pop art pop art pieces uh so then for uh halloween um it's like 31 days so each day is like a, a kind of like a pinup looking um caricature um done with like monsters or snakes or tombstones so like kind of like a fun kind of spooky thing uh i know that didn't sound like i was selling it um but honestly check it out they're really cool it's not going to blow your mind it's just fun to have on your feed and one more uh go check out horror nostalgia all one word uh this account posts uh, rare pics of classic horror films and like behind the scenes so it's got like um like pictures of like um, promotional material or pictures that like uh, that were never seen uh, again outside of like the film or behind the scenes stuff. It's really cool. And it's like all year round. It's not just for Halloween. It's just, I would go give them, a, give both of those two a follow. Also to make sure you guys go out and support any local haunted house events in your area. These haunted house events are great. They usually, the money goes back into your community or to a good program, whether it's um, like scouts or Girl Scouts or um, some sort of like uh, team events or schools. Um, and they're just really good. And when you go to support them and you give them some money, then the next year you're going to have bigger and better more likely. And uh, that's, it's a win-win. If you have kids, bring them see it. If you don't have kids, still, why not? It's You're helping your community. I know uh, I definitely grew up and the two towns that I grew up in, they used to have these all the time, and I went to them, and they were great. Uh, but kids just don't go to it as much anymore, and uh, because of that, uh, those sort of things fall away. So if your town is actually still one of the towns that puts up that sort of stuff, go check it out. So as always, uh, oh yeah, I guess I should uh, promote myself. You can listen to this at ACFO Podcast on SoundCloud. You can give me a, a little follow there on Twitter at a conversation for one. And I have an Instagram account. There's nothing up on there yet, but it's ACFO Podcast. Um, or you can just give me a follow, uh, Tyler Horlings. Uh, I think it's T Horlings Esquire on Twitter. Uh, the producers for the show are myself, Tyler Horlings, and of course, the very lovely, and for October, the very spooky Victoria Chubb. So yeah, thanks guys for listening, and uh, have a most excellent Halloween. Tyler out. folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. He darted around the table, pursued by the malign Mrs. White, armed with the... armed with the anti-Macassar... Auntie Macassar? He darted round the table, pursued by the maligned Mrs. White, armed with the Auntie Macassar.